Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, Pastor Brad Britton talks to us about the hymnal, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Pastor Britton talks about Dr. King's relationship and journey with this song. He also reminds us that God will always be present to take our hands. Jesus loves to take people's hands and lift them up. And the God who's everywhere is also somewhere, and that somewhere can be in your life today. Maybe you need a hand. Sometimes you reach the point in life where even the thought of stretching out a hand is inconceivable. And that's when God does some of God's best work as God just somehow takes our hand in whatever situation brings us back to life. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lord, lead me home. This is the first in a series that we are having here at the church. It's a six-week series on the great hymns of the church. And what we're going to do is, uh, in each sermon, highlight uh, the hymn, uh, which we've already sung it today, uh, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Uh, talk a little bit about the history of it, what it means, and then tie it into, into Scripture. And then after the Scripture reading, as we just did, uh, we sing this refrain. What, what hymn was that from? How great thou art. Great. Let's pray. God, help us to hear a word of hope and grace and love and what you say to us and through us. May it make a real difference in how we live our lives and treat others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what are some of your favorite hymns? Anybody? Nothing but the blood. Old rugged cross. Just as I am. Be thou my vision. That's my favorite, by the way. Any others? I feel like an auctioneer. Can I get a... Amazing Grace, I'll raise you. Uh, there's some wonderful hymns uh, in our our traditions. And uh, as we looked at the ones to select, it was kind of hard to pick. There's so many great ones. But what we found, most of these hymns were written out of a lot of pain and suffering in the life of the person who, who wrote the hymn. And there's so much power behind these hymns, and they speak to us in a special way. And so today we're going to take a look at uh, at Precious Lord, Take My Hand. I wanted to read the words uh, to the hymn, and we'll give you a little background on it. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. And when the darkness appears and the night draws near, and the day is past and gone, at the river I stand, guide my feet, hold my hand. Uh, this hymn uh, was written by a man named Thomas Dorsey. 
Uh, he was born in 1899 in Georgia and is considered by most one of the leaders in uh, the blues movement as well as gospel music. Uh, he wrote, by the time it was all said and done, around 3,000 songs. Think about that a minute. Uh, you ever heard of Peace in the Valley? You know that one? He wrote that. Uh, he wrote, uh, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Uh, he had a experience where he uh, received Christ and it changed his life and he began to write these wonderful gospel hymns. And this particular one came out of deep pain and suffering. In 1932, he was 32 years old, and tragedy struck his family. His wife, Nettie, died during childbirth. Then not long after, the next day, the child died, their son. And so he lost his wife and his son, and Pat was talking about this at the 8.30 service, and, and the way that he found out about how they had died, he was leading music at a worship service, and they brought a telegram to him in the middle of the service. Everyone is celebrating and singing, and he gets a telegram, and it just says, your wife Nettie has died. Uh, can you imagine? And so out of that pain, he talked about how he wrote this hymn. He was at the piano just playing. He said it just literally came to him, the melody and then the words. He lived about 60 years or so after that event, and he said numerous times that uh, it was the words to that hymn that helped him through, knowing that God was with him and that he would take his hand in, in anything, even even death. And so that's where this, this came from. And so you think about Jesus. Jesus took a lot of people by the hand. If you look in Mark's gospel, uh, he's laying hands numerous times on people and healing. And, and the story I want to look at today actually comes from the fifth chapter of Mark. And it's a, it's a sandwich. Anybody like sandwiches? Okay, what are some favorite sandwiches? BLT. I like bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches, except for the lettuce. I don't do lettuce. So I guess it's onion. What else? Peanut butter and jelly. Yes. You know, in my spare time, I think I'd like to start a cooking show, and I could start with peanut butter and jelly. Can you see it? Okay, if you'll take your bread. I like the wheat bread from HEB and... Take some peanut butter. Now, don't put the knife in the peanut butter and then the jelly jar. Don't mix the two just when you eat it, but not then. You know, we could. Mark liked to sandwich stories within a story. Uh, they call them a Mark and sandwich. So he'd start a story, insert something in the middle, and then finish the original story. It was a Mark and sandwich. And so in Mark chapter 5, the sandwich, this part is the the first slice of bread. So the first part I'm going to share with you is the first piece of bread. In the middle, we'll get to whatever you like, BLT, peanut butter and jelly. And then it comes back to the last slice and it sandwiches the two. So it starts off, uh, uh, Jesus is, is walking along. This great crowd is following him. A ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, his daughter, 12 years old, is near death. 
And this Jewish leader falls on his knees at the feet of Jesus and begs him to come heal his daughter. Now that was way out of character in line for a Jewish man in those days, especially a synagogue leader, to publicly fall on his knees to beg. And you just picture him begging Jesus. Well, Jesus, of course, says yes. And they begin to journey that way. And this crowd is pressing in. So picture this big crowd and you can barely, uh, you can barely move around. And Jesus then encounters this woman. He doesn't see her at first. She had uh, been suffering from a bleeding issue for 12 years and spent all she had on physicians and doctors. Nothing helped. And she was at the end. And she literally just reached down and touched the hem of Jesus' robe. And the story goes that immediately she was healed. Jesus didn't say a word to her. She didn't say a word to him. Just by touching his garment, she was healed. Then Jesus stopped and asked his disciples, who touched me? And, And their response was, well, there's a lot of people here and we're bumping into all sorts of people. I don't know. He said, who touched me? And what he, what he meant was something came out of me and I felt the presence of what just happened. Well, the, the woman speaks up and she says that it was her. And then Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace reason he called her daughter is that was his way of restoring her to society with the particular uh, situation she was in. She would have been cast off. And so he restored her. And let's go back to Jairus. If you're him, the synagogue leader, where were we headed? We were going to my daughter that's 12 years old near death, and you just stop to have this conversation with someone with a condition that at that point in time was not life-threatening. What are you doing? Well, they continue on to his home, and they get word as they're traveling that she had died. So what's the point now, right? She's dead. Well, they keep going, and they get into the the village. Uh, and in those days, they'd actually have professional mourners that would uh, be hired to help mourn these situations. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? Can you imagine you're at a dinner party? What do you do? I'm a professional mourner. Here's my card. Call me with your next crisis and tragedy. And they're entering in. Some are thinking, what's the point? She's dead. Then Jesus says for the others to wait outside, and he says to Peter, James, and John, and Jairus, come with me. They go inside. And people are literally laughing at Jesus, like, what are you doing? This is impossible. He goes over to the girl and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And it says he takes her by the hand. You can hear the words to the hymn now, can't you, precious Lord, take my hand. And he takes her by the hand and she gets up. Jesus loves to take people's hands and lift them up. And the God who's everywhere is also somewhere 
And that somewhere can be in your life today. Maybe you need a hand. Anybody need a hand in life? <laughs> Any? Notice she was dead, so she was not able to even reach out and take his hand. Sometimes you reach the point in life where even the thought of stretching out a hand is inconceivable. And that's when God does some of God's best work as God just somehow takes our hand in whatever situation and brings us back to life. This was uh, Martin Luther King's favorite hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And I I think about his life. Um, He had a Ph.D. in theology and just some wonderful sermons and papers that he had written. And uh, the movement that he was a part of and led came out of a deep conviction and faith in Jesus Christ completely. And if you look at some of the uh, the sermons and the speeches, I know we have some that are, are all of us have heard and there's sound bites and just powerful. But if you read the history of where all that came from, he was 27 years old and it was just after Rosa Parks refused on the bus and death threats were coming. He was at home. Another threat had come to him and his family, and uh, it was a uh, it was a evening, late evening, in 1956. In fact, January 27th, 1956, in the middle of the night, he went up, got up, and went into the kitchen and made a pot of coffee. He sat down at the table and had his head in his hands. He had reached a turning point. Can I go on and do this or not? And in, in this prayer, he said, he said, I just feel like I can't face it alone anymore. And he prayed to God that God would give him the courage to do what he knew was right, that all people are created in God's image, and whatever we have to do, we have to do. And he prayed that, and he said of that experience, in fact, it's often called his kitchen experience, It was one of the most profound moments of his life because he said he had an encounter with the divine in that moment that carried him away the rest of the way. Powerful. Three days later, sure enough, a bomb went off in their porch area, their home. Of course, at this point in his life, he had his wife and young child Later, he went on, obviously. The movement grew, but it came out of that moment where he had reached the end and Jesus literally took his hand somehow, some way. Reading about some of the details of of his death, Uh, the night before he was assassinated, he was preaching at a worship service, and he he wasn't even really scheduled to do it, and it was really more impromptu, and it was one of the most powerful sermons he'd ever delivered about how I've been to the mountaintop, and if this is it for me, that's okay because I've seen it. Those that were there said it was just extremely, extremely powerful, and the next day, the day that he was assassinated, 
he was uh, there at the hotel, and maybe you've seen photographs of these. In fact, there's a photograph of him and others there on the balcony the day before, and it's the exact spot where he was shot. But just before he was assassinated, he was talking uh, with a guy named Ben. Uh, he was a musician and would lead the music at many of the gatherings. And he was visiting with him about a particular song that he wanted to have sung that night at the service. What song do you think it was? Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And he, he actually repeated it numerous times. Now you're going to play it, right? You're going to play it? And he was real specific. He said, Ben... I want you to play it real pretty. Real pretty. Walked inside the room, came back out, and was shot. His last words, his last thoughts were, Precious Lord, take my hand. Anybody here need to say those words today? Maybe it's... Maybe it's a difficulty with work. You don't know what to do. You've reached the end and you're, you just hold your hands out and dear God, help me. Maybe it's a situation at home. You thought you knew how to parent and then you had a kid. You know, you, you read those books. You read those books about how to be a... And then reality hits. Maybe it's an illness and you don't know what to do. You know it's serious. And you hold out your hand. Take my hand. Take my hand. You know, I was uh, reading once about uh, the 16th Street Baptist Church. And many of you know the story. This was in the early 60s. They were uh, preparing for church, African-American congregation. It was just after Sunday school, right in that hour, when the phone rang. One of the 14-year-old girls who was a member of the church who was getting ready and putting on a choir robe to sing answered the phone, and it was uh, someone from the KKK. And uh, they said three minutes and then hung up. Well, not one minute after that, 19 sticks of dynamite exploded. And four girls lost their life, three 14-year-olds and an 11-year-old, from this vicious hate. Many others injured. Later that afternoon, thousands of people gathered at the church where the pastor, instead of promoting violence and getting even, read Psalm 23 as they prayed. And of all the windows, this is amazing, of all the damage done to the church in this explosion, you know one of the only stained glass windows that survived was a Stained glass window of Jesus gathering children into his arms. Precious Lord, take my hand. 
Uh, today, if you go to the church, there's a beautiful window, stained glass window of Jesus. And one of his hands is like this, and the other is kind of like this. And so the image of this window is pushing back against injustice and hate in whatever forms. And this other hand is a hand of forgiveness and grace and mercy. It's a beautiful window. It's called the whale's window. Because when this happened in the early 60s, there was a man from Wales, and that's over 4,000 miles from Alabama, read about this in a newspaper and offered to construct this beautiful window for the church. Turns out he was known as very gifted in this. And you know how they raised the money for the window? They didn't take any large gifts. They capped it in a currency that was pretty low so that all the people that wanted to participate in Wales could come and give their offering to this window as a gift to this church. And they had elementary age children standing in line bringing their offering to the window. And the window is there to this day. And it's another reminder that hate never, ever, ever gets the last word, ever. And on those days when you think that life's getting the best of you or that things have gone so completely off the rails that there are no hope, remember these words. And notice it says, take my hand. It doesn't say, take somebody else's hand or... Remember the God that is everywhere is somewhere, and that somewhere is you. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lord, lead me home. Let's pray. God, forgive us when we think that we are capable of running our lives on our own. Help us to know that Sometimes we're not even able to lift a hand to receive yours, but that's why it's called grace. And so now in whatever situations we find ourselves in, help us to have open hands to receive you. Knowing that you will take our hand, just like you did when you healed the woman, when you said Talitha Kum to the young girl and when you received Martin Luther King Jr. into your presence that same hand can receive us today and so we receive it in faith and hope in life and even in death for you are with us through Christ our Lord Amen.
this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.